0: We thank you for revelation, knowledge, and understanding. Thank you that your word is true. Thank you, Father, for giving us your word, giving us understanding, and giving us power and authority to use your word as our guide, our light, our weapon, our protection. Everything that we need is in your word. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about exercising kingdom dominion. And uh, give you a better understanding of what dominion entails. And I had begun this, uh, uh, you know, making my notes before I left uh, to go to Pennsylvania. I was there for a day and a half. Uh, And I usually don't do anything. before the empowerment meeting or that weekend, uh, but I did pray about it, and the people seemed very genuinely impressed that they wanted me to be there and be a part of the conference that they were having. And so I, I went ahead and, and uh, uh, you know made the arrangements, got there, and everything, and. <clears throat> As I was there, God did begin to show me some things about uh, dominion and what that means and, uh, you know, kind of complete what he was giving me from the word and uh, giving me understanding. And so this is a concept that's extremely important uh, in life and especially in understanding kingdom principles, uh, kingdom power and authority, and also ways to get success in God's kingdom. In Luke chapter 12, in verse uh, 22, he said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither the body, what you shall put on. For the life is more than meat, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't gather, they don't sow or reap, and neither do they have storages or barns. But God feeds them how much are you better than the fowls? And which of you with taking thought can add to a stature one cubit? If you then be not able to do that thing which is the least, why take you thought for the rest? So if you can't add anything to your life by worrying, why are you worrying about <laughs> bigger things? I mean you can't handle the small stuff, is what Jesus is saying. And he says, Consider the lilies how they grow. They don't work for it, they don't toil or spin. And they, he says, what they, what he's saying is they don't, they don't make their own clothing, but God arrays them in clothing. So how much more are you worth than the lilies of the field? Now I'll tell you why people don't trust God to to get them anything. They don't trust him. He's never going to be good enough. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, there's something in us that, that makes us want to take charge of certain things and not trust anybody else with them, even God. Well, whatever. I'm I'm a I'm a preach anyway, I don't care what y'all say. You can be grown or you can still be babies, but <clears throat> this food is good for you. And he says <clears throat> he says, if you consider the lilies, they don't make any clothing. To toil means to labor and something to spin, they don't make yarn and, and you know, fabric to make clothes out of. He said, But I say to you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, the best Clothing that you could make for yourself doesn't compare to what God can create from just flowers, the way he creates and clothes flowers. You understand what I'm saying? He said, the best that you can do doesn't compare. He says, and how much if he does that and he clothes the grass, which today grows up and tomorrow it withers and dies and then you just throw it and burn it up. He said, how much aren't you worth more than that? How much do you think he would clothe you better? Oh, ye of little faith. So if you don't consider yourself to be better than the plants and the animals, your faith is little. Now we got a lot of people walking around that worship plants. And so come on now, folks. He's talking to people like that. He's talking about people like that. And he's warning us not to pick up those ideas and those attitudes. And he says, and don't seek what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be of a doubtful mind. In other words, don't doubt that God's going to provide for you. Don't doubt that he's going to provide food and drink for you. He will provide. And he'll provide what you want. I was listening to a, a very popular minister talking about, Walking around the grocery store when they couldn't afford steak and telling God she'd be glad when they could have steak. And God said, if she wanted steak, she should ask me for it. He said, I could have given her steak right away. He said, but she was waiting till she could afford it to get it. She didn't want me to get her steak. See, watch when you, when you, I tell y'all, sometimes we watch too much Christian television. Because just because somebody shares a story with you, that don't mean God was in it. For God to be in it, you got to ask Him if, they, if that's, is that you, God? Did you? That's how you get Him in it. He says, For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. One, one account says the heathen seek after. And your Father knows that you have need of these things. He already knows. And if he already knows, why do we have to ask? Why do we have to ask if he already knows? Because he's got to deliver it to your house. Asking releases your faith in him in the situation. If you want it delivered to your door, you better ask. Or it's going to go to mine, it's going to go to Henry's, it's going to go to Johnny's, it's going to go somewhere. But if he knows you have need of it, all that means is that your needs are not a surprise to God and he doesn't have to go out and work and do anything to get them to you. Huh? He's already prepared to provide for you. Huh? You don't have to wonder if he's going to hit the bar on the way home and the paycheck never get there. Amen. Amen. Or run into the dope man before he he's already, you, you ask God and he'll get there. Amen. He'll make a, a dope addict bring you money if you're married to him and dependent on him. Amen. I've seen that happen over and over again. But you got to believe he's going to do it for you. you got to believe in God's power to do it. And he says, your father knows you have, these, you have needed these things, but rather, instead of spending your time worrying, fretting, wondering, seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. And while you're seeking, don't seek in fear. Fear not little flock. What he's saying this is when you're seeking, don't be scared God's not going to give them to you because he wants to do it. In fact, he says it's his good pleasure to give you these things. God's happy to do it. God's looking forward to providing for his children. We're not a problem to him. We don't ask for too much. We don't our shoes don't cost too much don't cost too much for him he it's his good pleasure to give us things whereas you may have gotten a negative answer from somebody in authority in the past you'll get a, a good answer from god so you'll never get uh, uh you mean you need you mean you to use that up already says he yeah, he know you used it up. He ain't going to ask you that cuz he know you did. He knows where it went. He saw you when you were spending it wrong. And he says it's still his good pleasure to give it, it his good pleasure to give it to you doesn't do, de- depend on what you did with the last time he gave you something. Now let me tell you what it will do though. It'll screw up your faith. So you'll never get away with with squandering your money and wasting it and think God's still going to provide for you because you'll never have the faith to believe He's going to do you good when you've been doing bad. Try it. We've all tried it. That's one of the main reasons we don't have more than we have because we still had a little thief in there that wants to get away with something and thinks it's cute. I'd rather be mature and responsible than to be cute and begging all the time and living in doubt. He says, It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give, give it away. Give to the poor. Provide yourselves bags that don't wax old and treasure in the heavens, etc., etc. He said, Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Huh? What, what do you have stored up? That's what you like. What do you have a lot of that's what you like so he says, store it up in kingdom real estate in other words, you got me yeah. Start you know some of the clothes we have piled up is is scandalous yeah. huh you're not wearing them mm-hmm. huh right. and don't tell me you're waiting to get in them again because you keep eating <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fit back in that. How long it been? 20 years. Right. Huh? <laughs> it's the truth. Uh, it's the truth. I can, I'm going to get in this again. In other words, <clears throat> Jesus is saying here that we need to seek kingdom life living and part of kingdom living is dominion and lordship so we're going to talk about what that means and how he wants us to use it and how he gets us involved in kingdom life dominion and lordship dominion really means control or the exercise of control It means control or the exercise of control. First, you must control yourself. You must decide that you want to live wholly for God. Because that's what you've promised him. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. There's no saving without Lordship. How can he save you if you're not under his control? And so we've all committed to that. And so if you've committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, You have to have control over making decisions that fulfill that role as Lord in your life. That help Him to fulfill the role as Lord of your life. So you have to seek the Word when it comes to decisions that you have to make, plans that you make. You know what the Word says pretty much about everything. We all know. Huh? Mm -hmm. Not to be unequally yoked believers with unbelievers. Amen. To, to uh, stay away from sexual Im- impurity and immorality. To, to give a, a portion of your increase to God. To show honor to Him. To honor God in all things. Seeking first the kingdom and, and righteousness. What, what does a right thinking person do? Righteousness has more to do with what you think it is. You know, we all got our little pet definitions and imputed righteousness. We get about that. Righteousness is imputed. You can step out from under the impute also. See, the person who commits sin is stepped out of the imputed righteousness. They made a decision not to go the right way. So righteousness really entails doing things right. Going the right way making a decision to do the right thing. Even if it's costly, even if it's, it's going to uh, put you in, in jeopardy of losing something, you do things the right way. And so when you make up your mind that you're going to live for God and, and live in His kingdom, then He begins to entrust you with certain things. You're first entrusted with dominion over your own life. You exercise dominion over your own life. You make decisions every day to do things that are pleasing to God. You seek to know how to please Him. You're not just running around here getting ideas out of nowhere. But also, lordship and dominion of God in your life means... That God has plans for you and you submit yourself to his plan. You submit yourself to his mind. You submit yourself to his will. So really the first order of dominion is submission to lordship. This is where Adam and Eve lost dominion for God's kingdom. As they rebelled against his lordship, he told them they have freedom to do everything but, and they did the but. And I think that's true in our lives as well. We have freedom for everything but, and he doesn't want us to do the but. amen. And so when you think about dominion, that means submission to his lordship, Dominion also means sovereignty. That means that you have the top rulership in your life. And under God's direction, your life will go well. It will go according to his plan. Everything will work out for you. Dominion also means a territory or a sphere of influence or control. You are in control of your life and you have authority in the lives of others delegated to you by God. If you're a parent, you have authority over your children to raise them properly, all those kinds of things. So many times the roles that we play are ordained of God and he's already told us what we're to do in those roles. You're to raise your children according to God's word. Nurture them and admonish them according to the word of God. So you have to have a balance there. Nurturing gains their trust and lets them know that you're their provider. Admonishment means to keep them within a safe haven or a safe place of living. So when you shake your finger and your children tell you you better not do that, that puts boundaries, limits, parameters around their lives. And you do it in love because you don't want them to get beyond those boundaries where it's not safe for them. It's the same thing with God. He has set boundaries and parameters around our lives. And as we submit to his lordship, we find those boundaries and parameters And you know that that there's boundaries because the Holy Spirit will let you know. He will warn you. He will admonish you when you're going beyond the boundary of what God wants you to do. It also means rule, authority. Dominion really means an area of control. It also means the power to govern. It means the act of ruling. It means power through legal authority. And we're going to talk some about the legal authority that God gives us. It means ascendance and control. God's image is to rule. That's part of his image. Every human being wants to run something. We want to feel in control of something. We don't want life to get away from us. We don't want things out of control. We want life to be predictable to some degree and manageable for us. You don't want it out of out of your control. And that's part of God's image placed in us is to rule and control things. We want to rule and control even when we don't qualify. You tell your children they're not old enough to do something yet and boy you get a, a little ugly look or some back talk or whatever they feel because everybody wants that power and they want that control. The Holy Spirit qualifies all believers to rule in the kingdom on some level. Imputed righteousness is part of our permission to rule with Jesus. It's our permission to rule with him. Even though we're we not sitting there minute by minute asking him permission to do this and asking him if that's right and so forth and so on. Many times we feel that we're in control ourselves. But that is because we learn how to cooperate with him and walk hand in hand with him. So it feels like it's us, but really it's his leading. And God allows that to give us confidence And our ability to follow him, but without asking minute-by-minute permission. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of his uh, building our confidence in him. You know, when Paul said, my boast is in the Lord, he was really talking about things that he had accomplished, but he reminded people that it was God working through me. To do these things effectually and if there's any good that's coming out of my life it's because God's working through me to accomplish these things. So righteousness imputed is a permission granted to rule with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we rule with him it is through his life, his permission and his unction. So the more we learn to walk with the Lord and cooperate with Him, have fellowship with Him, friendship with Him, all of those things, the more we are able to accomplish for Him and through Him. We must accept His life, the good and the bad, to accept this mandate to rule in His place. So he's not giving authority and dominion to people to take and do what they desire to do with it. He is giving it so that we can be as he would be in the world. We are his ambassadors. We are here for him and for his purpose and for his purpose only. The kingdom of God has structure. Jesus is the head of the church and the government is on his shoulders. He's ordained five ministry gifts to govern the church. This church began with twelve apostles. 2 Corinthians 12.12 says... That these gifts were were given and the apostles and prophets were the foundation of the church. Prophets really bringing a foundation to transition from the old to the new covenant. So we cannot out the teachings of the Old Testament because the ministry gift of the prophet transitions from old to new. And so they bring the link between the Old and the New Covenants. They link them together. The other ministry gifts, the pastor, evangelist, teacher, apostle. The apostle is always the one who is sent by God, not needing man's invitation permission. Council, government. Paul said, when I receive the call to ministry... I conferred not with flesh and blood. Okay. You don't talk it over in a committee of pastors and bishops to decide if you're capable of serving God. My goodness. You don't need another man's sanction on your life. See, that's for people who don't really know God. If you don't know God, You need man to prop you up and tell you you're okay. You need support all the time. If you know God, you just go about doing the work of God. And you depend on that relationship, the witness of the Holy Spirit. You understand your authority from the Word. You understand your ministry gift office from the Word of God. That's something personally between you and God. When you saw the apostles working together in the early church, they were confirming one another. They would confirm what they already saw God doing in that person's life. And my doing it wasn't dependent upon your confirmation. In other words, I didn't have to, I, I didn't have to not do anything wait for you to tell me I'm confirmed to do it before I start doing it. The confirmation often came in the doing of it. You know, in old Pentecostal circles, they would judge when the anointing was on a person. When they knew the anointing was on you, God had already approved of you. So what could man do? So all they did was confirm what they knew God already had placed upon you. And you weren't waiting to have them do it. You don't do it the reverse. They don't put something on you and then you're called to be that. See, that's why we got so many, you know, people, flaky people running around the church now. They're insecure people who have been getting up in prophecy lines. And then somebody says, well, you're called as this, that or the other. And then they take that and run with it. And there's been no evidence of that. Then there's no structure to support your claim to this office. So the church began with the 12 apostles. Apostles and prophets lay the foundation for the church, for God's work in the earth. All gifts begin with apostolic or prophetic seed. That's the seed of the church, lays the foundation for the church. Gifts are nurtured and supported by the five-fold ministry gifts. The power grab that we see now in this present age is a perverted form of dominion. Well, I'm this and I'm that, and I'm, you know, you see people tearing their hair out trying to to build large everything. Everybody wants something large. Nobody wants to go and minister to the homeless person or the drug addict. They'll send somebody so that their church can be known for having this but they don't go themselves. Whatever you don't do, if you delegate it to somebody, it won't be done well. And it won't be done under authority. You got me? You plant the seed for that ministry first. Amen? And then God brings the the increase out of it. The title is neither the power nor the call. The title is neither the power nor the call. The power is the power and the call is the call. But the title is neither. Apostles and prophets validated their call by signs, wonders and mighty deeds. Okay. Signs, wonders and mighty deeds. And this was in line with what Jesus did. They just did the same works that the Lord Jesus Christ did. Did it the same way and the same conditions. They preached the same message. Everything was a continuation of what he left in the earth for us to do. There was no variation of the message. The message is always the same. The message tells a story about Jesus Christ being alive and living and being the Savior of the world. In other words, He will save anybody from their sin. Not from their poverty, not from their sickness. He saves you from your sin. Wealth and health are benefits of being saved from sin. They're not a salvation in itself, so you're not saved from poverty you're saved from sin and poverty becomes a I mean a, a prosperity becomes a benefit of your salvation from sin. see other than that you're dealing with a bloodless covenant you don't need the blood to get money you need the blood to pay for your sin. Amen. 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 And so we we have to make sure that we understand the message. You've got to make sure that you are under the message. You've got to make sure that you have relationship with God and when you go forth in his name. That means under his power, authority and he sent you, you go with the message. There's only one message. There's only one message. And so we have to, as a church, we have to stay with the same message. So the apostles all validated their call. They showed signs of their apostleship. It was not just a title or something to call somebody. Or you're an apostle whether you have the signs or not. That's not right. If I went and stood in, in my broom closet for two months, I could call myself a broom, but I'm not a broom. Do you understand me? And you can call those things that be not as though they are, but at some time your faith is going to make them show up. So that's, you, don't, you don't call yourself by faith something. You're either that or you're not. it appears that the early church apostles felt obligated to validate their call. You understand what I'm saying? They looked for signs that proved who they were. Or they couldn't justify calling themselves that. So if they would go forth and preach and the signs never showed up, they could not call themselves apostles. You understand what I'm saying? They they And they could say... That my, my apostleship was validated with these signs. You got me? There was proof that God was with me. Just like there was proof that God was with Jesus when he walked the earth. Amen? They knew that God was with him because of the works that he did. Not because he said God was with him. Jesus said you need to believe me for the very works sake. So works always validate who sent you, they validate who's with you, and they validate who you believe. Works will always do that. You can't have an office without the signs following. So you want to submit to an anointing that produces the signs that validate the office. And stay away from goofiness. When a person is truly called, they have that desire like Elisha had. There's a desire to smite the waters with your mantle and see if the God of Elijah shows up. You got me? There's that inside of you. That says, God, if I'm really called, I want you to show up when I have this meeting and heal somebody. If you want me to lay hands on the sick and tell them I'm having a healing meeting and I won't do it unless I know you're going to show up. You got me? We've got to quit being, being uh, uh, patronizing to nonsense. And we have to stop tolerating foolishness in our midst. Just stay away from it. You don't have to go around it. Just stay away from it. <clears throat> People who are called, really called of God, have a desire to prove that their their call is valid and God is with them because He will confirm your preaching, your words, your activities with signs following. Signs will follow if God is with you. He confirms who you are and confirms his word. Illegitimacy or that feeling of not being right in people must be replaced with a spirit of true adoption. You've got to know you really belong to God first and you're not looking for some sign to validate who you are. You've got to have adoption first, and then the rest of it will follow out of your adoption. Many people are trying to feel validated by a title. I've got to have a bigger title than you. I've got to have more people in my church than you. I've got to get on television before you do. And really, if you see, when you look beyond all of that that hype and smoke and, and, you know, blowhard nonsense, there's a very small person in there that doesn't feel loved by God and has not had a real experience with God to take away that feeling of illegitimacy. You know, when the children of Israel were circumcised... At the camp of Gilgal. It said they stayed in the camp until they were what? Whole. Some people sneaking out of the camp and they ain't whole yet. Huh? When you're circumcised, your heart, when your heart is cut off from lust and pride... And things that usually lift you up in your own will and your own way, you got to be made whole before you can go out a whole person and not miss that stuff. Got me? I've seen people think that they had to preach and they were physically sick in their body and died and never got a chance to minister to anybody and they kept getting up trying. Huh? Because that little person inside of them was never made whole. You never stayed still long enough for God to make you whole before you went out and works trying to work your way through being important. And we've got tons of them out there. We've got tons of them. If the church don't validate me, i got enough money, I'll go and make movies and get movie people to lay hands on me. A little person in there, preaching to everybody, telling them how important they are. They're important too, and they don't really know. They're not whole because they're still trying to fill that that raw part, that sore part, with some false salve. Hmm? We got tons of people running around like that. We have people running running around, and a a lot of them, it's not really all their fault. But you, at the end of the day, when you look in your Bible, you know something's missing. You need to take care of that first before you run off trying to get tons of people, build a big church, and have all these people running around behind you. Because, see, you're actually, in some ways, you're running away from yourself. And the fact that you're not whole and you're filling up your time with, Thinking you're helping other people. See what I'm saying? And so we have to realize that we are valuable to God too. He wants us to be made whole. And when you're whole and you understand who you are. And you have enough identity in God to go out and share something with somebody else. Then he will put his power on you. And he will use you. There's no two ways about it. The centurion said something very important to Jesus, and Jesus marveled at it. And I think that's important, too. And what he said had to do with levels of authority. He had to do with levels of authority. Let me find that, and I want to do that first, and then I can... Matthew Matthew 8.5? Thank you. I was in Matthew 8, but I hadn't got there. All right. I really was. (laughs) Like I said, Matthew 8.5. (laughs) All right, uh, Matthew 8, chapter 5. Thank you, Shannon. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, they came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said, I'm going to come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only. My servant shall be healed. He said it this way. I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say, say to this man, go and he goes. To another, come and he comes. And to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Truly I have, say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom Because of their faith. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness because of their unbelief. Jesus said to him, go your way as you have believed. As you have believed. As you have believed. As you have believed. We can understand God by just understanding normal life. Observations of normal life. Understand consistency of normal life. This centurion said, I'm a man under authority. Number one, in order to understand God, you must be under authority. People who are not consistent in church, people who do not uh, consistently study their word and, and respect the ministry gifts and the structure of God will never get their place in God's kingdom because they're not under authority. You have to respect authority and be under authority. So a great revelation of God was opened up to this man because he was under authority and by being under it, he understood it. If you're a rebel, you'll never understand authority. It always looks evil to you it looks mean to you. You don't trust it. You think it's going to take something away from you. So you, you, you circumvent authority and you wind up creating your own little world that's really a world of witchcraft and rebellion. People who are not under authority have to pay a great price to keep friends. Because if you want friends, the Bible says what? Show yourself friendly. That means that you have to be a forgiving person. You have to be a loving person. You have to be a trusting person. You can't be suspicious, controlling, and on the outside of everything and think you're going to have friends. The few friends you have, when they start to stray away from you, you're going to kind of try and claw and scratch to hold on to them. Because you're not under authority in doing things God's way. People who are under authority and and are friends with God can have friends or leave them. I mean, it would hurt me very dearly to lose you as a friend. But God will heal me and I'll go on and there will be more friends who will come this way. And I'm certain of that because that's God's way. He's not going to have you clinging to one or two people. And you're scared that they'll get away from you because they're your only friends. You understand what I'm saying? You know that you have tons of friends everywhere and that you have companions everywhere. And God will help you reconcile and mend broken relationships. But you're not desperate to do it. You're desperate for God. You're desperate for for his companionship and his fellowship. And if you have to lose everybody in order to, to cling to Jesus, then so be it. He'll always give you more than you ever lost. And so when you're under authority, you understand authority. You understand the benefits of authority. You're not afraid of somebody abusing their authority over you. You're not afraid of relationships. Somebody abusing you in a relationship. All this kind of stuff because you trust God. God, you'll bring the right people into my life. I'm praying every day for a, a Christian husband or a wife. I'm thanking you every day for bringing the right people into my life. And I trust that these people will be the right people. And I'm not afraid of somebody uh, beating me or abusing me. or I haven't done anything like that to get that back. And I'm going to stay under you and I'm under your authority. And I know what you bring into my life is good and I can trust it. Period. You don't live a paranoid crazy life. Amen. All this other stuff. You're not concerned about nonsense. Yes. You're concerned about staying under God's authority. Under His, under the shadow of the Almighty. That's where the protection is. Amen. And you stay under authority. Yes. If you disagree with somebody in authority, you don't run around and backbite them and try to undermine their authority in, the, in your life. Women who are married, women, you don't get around with other women and talk bad about your husband. You bless him. The Bible says the virtuous woman, her husband's, his heart safely trusts in her all the days because he knows she'll do him good and not evil. When you're under authority, you have a greater respect for people. You're not trying to figure out how to wiggle around them all the time and get what you want. You trust God to bring you. You know, if, if you don't have food of your own, he'll, he'll get you, the brook will show up. And when the brook drives up, the ravens will show up. But you know, God's always going to provide for you. You're not a whisperer behind closed doors, everything that you do is open and revealed. You don't have to have secrets. You don't have to have secret, you know, clubs with people and meetings with people and things you can't do out in the open. I'm talking about people who are under authority. And see, when you're under authority, your authority will work. And so the centurion told Jesus something. He says, I'm under authority and I tell this one they do it and I tell this one. He said, the proof of my being under authority is when I use authority, it accomplishes what I tell it to do. He said, and I've watched you, Jesus, and there's somebody greater than you that's doing these works that you do. So I know all you have to do is say a word and it'll happen just like it happens with my servants because I'm under authority and I understand authority. If you resent authority and you don't respect authority, and you don't trust authority. You'll never wield authority, not in your life, not in the life of other people that you pray for, not as far as keeping friends and relationships. You will never have control and authority as long as you suspect And undermine and resent authority. If you're jealous of authority, you'll never have it. Wanting position. Wanting power. Wanting to be known as something. All of these things indicate that you're not under authority. When you're under authority, jealousy won't visit you. When you respect and you're under authority, hatred won't visit you. You won't be resentful of authority. You won't try to undermine authority. When you're behind somebody's back, you'll, you'll say good things about them. Not try to poison people's mind against them. You got me? You don't need that if you're not. See, if you're not under authority, you have no clue how it works. So you don't know when you're doing wrong. You think you have a right to say anything you want to say about people. And you think you have a right to do anything you want to do. Because you don't have a clue what you're dealing with. Because you've never submitted to it. People submit until they don't get what they want. And then they write back doing the same thing again. Oh, that got a weak hand clap. Well, that's pretty good. At least one person believes it. Because that's how witchcraft operates. That's why there's so much of it. That's why it's so widely accepted anymore. And that's why it's on television and people support it. Because we got a lot of people that don't, they're not under authority. They don't trust authority. They don't think it's got anything good in their lives. They all want to rebel against everything. We've got people making laws in this country that all they do is study the Constitution so they can work around it, file suit against it, or find some way to criticize it. They don't see it as a blessing in their life, something that's helped protect them all of the days of their life huh? so that we can all live. They want to get rid of all authority and all power, a bunch of witches and warlocks. We' had people that we've had people in the White House that consult psychics and don't think anything of it, where a 100 years ago it, they would have been burned at the stake right. for doing that. You see? So we live in a lawless atmosphere continually, but yet we're expected to bring kingdom dominion down here on Earth. Now how do we do that? Huh? How do we do that? You do that by staying under the authority of God. You've got to stay under his authority. I don't care what you think about it personally. Many times we're waiting for, for God to make us something or elevate us. Or, and he's waiting for you to get under authority. Huh? We're waiting for you to do your part. If you just would obey the people over you and give them proper respect, God would give you more. But he can't give anything to witches and rebels. He don't give his dominion. He don't give his control. He doesn't even give his influence to people who aren't under authority. Because he can't trust you. And so he wants to be able to trust all of his children. But you've got to understand as much as a, Roman, a pagan Roman centurion understands. You've got to be at least that smart. Jesus said his faith was great because he figured out how I do things. Jesus was submitted to the Father all the time. All the time. He never came out from under his... Never had a thought to rebel against the Father. Never had a thought to not do it the Father. Never had a thought not to do it. Because he operated in perfect love. And that's what he wants his children to do. To operate in the perfect love of God. So kingdom dominion is needed... Because God is expecting us to stay under his authority and not wiggle out from under it. Not undermine and poo-poo authority. Or usurp authority. You know, when you don't feel like it, you don't do it. When the pastor's not watching, you don't respect things. You understand what I'm saying? You have to be under authority at all times. Be respectful about it. And welcome authority because God wants you to learn how to use it. You will not use effectively what you don't respect and what you don't understand. When we speak the word, we lay the groundwork or pave the way for the work of the ministry to proceed. And so that's step one in kingdom dominion is using the word of God skillfully. Under authority and using the word of God skillfully. When Jesus said, be healed, they were healed. When he said, stretch forth your hand, power came into that man's hand. It was stretched forth. Everything that he said was done because he was under authority. You don't get it without being under it. If you're not under it, you're deceiving yourself if you think you can wield authority. So we release the kingdom of God through his word and through his anointing. Not only releasing the kingdom, in other words, loosing the kingdom, but also binding the counter kingdom, a kingdom of darkness. If you never apprehend criminals, they have the freedom to run wild and disturb whatever it is that you're losing. So you have to be under authority and bind the kingdom of darkness. You have to forbid it to operate and take place. And number one is in your own mind and your own heart. Renewing the mind and the word of God is the primary way we stay under authority. You carry the Word of God and the thoughts of God with you at all times. So renewing your mind, being a new person in the way that you think. Not just a born-again spirit, but a converted mind. Your mind doesn't conjure up the things it used to. Your mind is peaceful in the realm with God, and you're able to find out the ways of God. In releasing the kingdom, we possess more things for God. And binding the kingdom of darkness allows that to last. It's not just a one-time happening that disappears quickly. So if you want the, uh, the work of God to last, you have to keep the enemy away from it. And being under authority, if that doesn't show you're under authority, nothing else will. We are gathering a harvest of souls for God. And making disciples of them. That is leading the way in our own daily living and activities... And also ministering as believers. So there's a certain development of the character of Christ that needs to go along with ministry. Amen. And all of you know that you can do a certain level of ministry without much godly character. Yes. Don't you? Yes. Amen. But you have to do both. You, God wants us to be able to be sustained In our character, our everyday life, because if the devil can deceive you and pull you off because you don't know how to take control over your mouth or over your thoughts or over your desires for things that you shouldn't have or it's not time for you to have them or something like that, timing will prove your character. Everybody wants everything yesterday. But the child of God trusts that he has an inheritance and he's willing to allow the father to bring these things into their lives at certain times. The company you keep will determine whether or not you can sustain yourself during these difficult trying periods of time. Because you will have to uh, be able to understand that God knows you're willing. He knows you're ready. And he has a time for release of things in your life. It's not always willing and ready, but there has to be a timing for things in your life in God. And so when God tells you he's going to do some things, he's going to do those things, and we have to trust and be in godly character that he's going to continue to do those things. God has told us that he's going to do certain things in the ministry, and so we have to be faithful to him and stay where he's told us to be without being frustrated, angry, wanting to quit, wanting to give up, don't want to do this, don't want to do that. God, you got to do this for me or I'm not going to go another day serving you kind of thing. He wants to get all the tantrum out of his children so that he can keep the the work pure and give us to understand the purity of work. One of the things that God's made me aware of is that he wants us to continue and he wants us to help people in a new way in getting to understand spiritual authority and getting to walk in spiritual authority and kingdom dominion in a greater and greater way. And so he wants us to take on uh, more responsibility for helping people pray for their ministries so that we can see other ministries be more successful and keep them on the right track. And so he's, he's opening doors now. For me specifically to have more influence with ministers and their ministries so they can stay on the right track and walk in the power of God. That's what it's about. He wants more people empowered to do more things. And so as as believers then, you guys are going to have to understand that and understand the mandate that it would mean on us to be more consistent in our prayer When your prayer partner calls you, be available and pray when you're supposed to pray. Amen. And also when you have your watch prayer, be on time for prayer and get that prayer done corporately instead of trying to straggle in when you've, you've, because you're not going to last with these bad habits. You understand? You're not going to last with trifling habits. You're going to have to learn how to respect authority and respect mandates for a work that you're called to do. You've gotten great benefit out of being watchmen. Amen. You understand things that people don't understand. Amen. You know how to get your needs met. You don't have to beg anybody for anything, and you don't have to wait long for most of what you do. So you know it works. And so God wants us to more and more give into this level of work and expecting God to do more to raise up prosperous ministries in him that are able to do the work and to assume right spiritual authority. So it's going to get more for us to do, and it's going to be a place where we can do more. One of the things that I found when I went to do this meeting is that there are so many people who love God and want to worship God, but they don't know anything about taking authority over darkness. And so there's got to be a greater understanding on our part in how to impart discernment, how to impart uh, a desire to challenge atmospheres in other people. Because you know and I know that it's been sorely lacking for a long time. You don't have a lot of people who can command atmospheres and who know how to really, you know, we will have people who can prophesy. And they'll come into our meetings and, and make statements that you know we do all the time. Huh? Well, somebody, few people picked it up, but you know what I'm saying. You know, people say things like, "Well, uh, you know, in this atmosphere, God can do anything." I mean, I think Miss Nola could just lay hands on somebody and they'd be healed. She does it all the time, but they don't see it done. In their circle, they don't see it done much. You understand what I'm saying? So that knowledge has to be imparted to people, and that understanding must be imparted. And when the atmosphere, real prophetic atmosphere, comes in, people need to understand how to stay stay in it, let it train them what to do, let it exceed their expectations, and then how to carry it into their ministry. And so thats I think that's the mandate that God has on us now, is to release this in a greater measure to people, onto churches, onto ministers, onto their ministries, so that they can have more pure atmospheres, more accurate atmospheres, more accurate words. Because the church has to get beyond personal prophecy and now start speaking to principalities and powers and challenging them to move aside so that the King of Glory can come in. We've, it's got to go beyond that. We've got to have words come out of us that tell believers that this is your year to do signs and wonders and, and that kind of thing. When I was in Pennsylvania... I was shocked that the people, when I said, you know, I'm I'm going to, one of the uh, ministers there that was working with Nola asked her, she said, do you think, uh, what did you tell her? You were talking to Tiffany about them. Yeah, see, that's something. We've been doing that, what, 20 years? That's one of the first things that God gave us to do was to equip and empower believers. But see, people are so hungry. Now it's the hunger thing. See, the hunger always drives the move. And it's what people are hungry for. That God wants it, because they they've been under the the name it and claim it teaching. They've been under you're going to get rich if you tithe teaching. They've been under all of that and still they're not satisfied because that was never intended to satisfy a believer. Amen. What satisfies a believer is doing works approved by God, doing things that God would do if he were here himself and he wouldn't be gathering money for an end time wealth transfer. Jesus never knew uh, anything except to man, the father to do, go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And see, believers still have a hunger to do that. Most of us have settled in our minds already. We're not going to be wealthy. We don't have wealthy people habits. We don't have access to their whatever they do to get their money. We don't have that. But we can be very content in living for God by faith. And we can go out and do the worship of God because that's where our contentment and our happiness really is. You're not supposed. Listen, the rich preachers aren't content. Amen. That's right. The ones that have the biggest churches and the most wealth are still looking for something else. Something that believers are going to have and they're going to marvel. How did these people get loose like this doing what they're doing? So we see the trickles of it now. But the most of it will never be televised. The most of it will never be caught on YouTube. The most of it will never make anybody a name but Jesus Christ. Because it will be done in the hands of believers. And I was really shocked when we had the altar call. I kept telling people, I said, we're going to have one more altar call for this. And, you know, and they stayed. And I, I saw nothing but pairs of hands. Stretched out like that. They were putting their hands over other people that were standing in front of them. Wanting to have the impartation for healing so they could heal people. Drug addicts in their family. Them being sick. Everybody they knew sick and they can't do anything about it but God. But God. And they're willing to step out and do it. And I told them, I said, well, I'm not going to bring y'all no sick people. You go find them yourself and lay hands. You understand, I can do everything but bring you sick people. Yes. And they knew that, that this was because they already know somebody. Mm-hmm. See, so you don't come unless you already know somebody yes. that needs God to that degree. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're going to do. And y'all are going to do it. And you guys are going to back up. Back me up and anybody else God sends out, if Pastor Shirley has to go, if Nola has to go, whoever has to go, we have to back each other up and not get stupid, you know. Hopefully all the backbiters, jealousy people, and all them people are gone already. All them devils have left. So we can do work for God. You understand what I'm saying? So we're going to stay focused on what God wants to do. He wants to impart to people. He wants to do things that will change. The woman of God who's in charge of that work, God has a vision for her that, that part of it was shared with her, not just by myself, but another prophetess that was. Part of that was, and it's, it's way beyond anything she ever asked or thought. She's just there praying and, and believing God to help people. And see, God wants people like that. People who want to believe God to help people. And so we're going to undergird, we're going to undertake, we're going to support people who really want to help people and who want to do real ministry. We're not looking to be the biggest, the the richest, the most blessed, the most. We're not competing with ourselves. But we're going to humbly stay under authority, under the authority of God, and do what God wants us to do. So in line with that, I was looking on uh, Facebook, and I saw Miss Donna's involved in a project, and I thought, well, that's real interesting. I think we'll help this lady pray, because it's a good thing, and I don't believe God brings people to us just for no reason. But I believe she's here uh, so that she can get more powerful in what she's doing. And God can come in and help this work in a mighty way. So I'm going to give her a few minutes. If you'll bear with us, uh, I want her to share what her vision is and what God has given her. Come on up, Miss Donna, Donna Robertson, and we'll. <clears throat> amen. So the, your ministry is never let go? That's the name of the ministry. All right. And you're going to tell us what it's about and it's on the back of the prison prayer but we're going to put <laughs> it's in good company and we're going to make sure. and the things that you point out to us we're going to just write those down and we'll pray with them for you on a regular basis you so much, oh you're i'm sorry sweetie let me give you a <laughs> okay <laughs> no you're all right we're going to get you on tape because we want this yes, yeah, so we can be aware of it okay thank you so
1: much pastor barb for um, being obedient to God, I really believe that He just tied all this in today, to have me speak and tell you about this ministry. First of all, God led me from Toledo to Williams County. I was sent there. Um, there you go. Yes, Amen. I got that word right. right. From Pastor Waller, that's right. a Prophet Waller. Yes, I was sent. I, was, I did not go on my own accord, um, and and never let go of ministries. I was led to these people. Um, Um, who have a ministry going. They've been going for four years. Uh, This woman, Mary and Victor Juarez, started this ministry because their son uh, died of an overdose of heroin four years ago. Um, Okay, so God gave me the vision that he wants to open up rehabs out here, and he wants them delivered, not AA and I'm not speaking down about that, but he wants them delivered Um, because that's what happened to me. I was delivered. Uh, and, and 20 years ago, just to go back to that, my husband died, uh, killed himself from from addiction. And that would that would be this December, and that was spoken um, by Prophet Waller, that 20 years ago God was going to use me, to, or you know whatever, to go out and help with these kids, or kids or adults, what have you. But these kids, there are a lot of people in Williams County that are dying from heroin addiction. My nephew died on the day of my son's wedding, uh, overdose from the the heroin. Use because they're putting um, fentanyl in heroin and they're using that as a filler, and that's what's killing people. Um, but Never Let Go of Ministries, I, I was, got on that board. Uh, she asked me to go on the board a, a year ago, 2013, um, and I was on, I was voted in to be the vice president. We had uh, the president came in and she knew how to do all the paperwork to get the 501c3c uh, paperwork. Okay, so we got all that done. We put that in in December. We got that paperwork back in June. In July, we came back quick.
0: (laughs) You know why? Because, you know, the controversy they had with the lowest learner emails. And anybody who's a Christian that's been putting in that paperwork has been put on the shelf or their paperwork lost or delayed. Some people have been waiting four to five years.
1: Okay, well, guess what? Hold on a minute. Because in July, they sent us a back saying that it was revoked in May. Okay, so it was revoked in May, but it was approved in June. Now, but I know already, because I already got the vision, I already know what God's doing, I know He's going to open up these rehabs. He's shown us the property, the properties for the kids. He's shown me the property for the the men. Uh, I haven't seen the one for the women yet. And we know the names. The names were called House of Hope for the Kids, House of Courage... For the women and house of strength, those names were all given for the men. We have all that. Um, God gave me the scripture, Habakkuk 2, 2, and 3, to give to Mary uh, back, I think, when we did the uh, uh, 501 paperwork in December. And she put that on paperwork, and then she put the names of these all on here. Probably one of the biggest problems I have has to be that she's from the Catholic uh, religion, her and her husband. And we have a little squabbles with that, uh, maybe you could see, and I'm so glad to get that teaching today because that, and I feel the spiritual where uh, warfare comes up when I'm at the table. They, they didn't want me to be the president, but God had another plan. He had a whole other plan because when this, the, the, uh, the, the president that is the president, she had to step down because of conflict. Yeah conflict of interest she had to step down and she was like well this is Donna should be the one they delayed that two times two meetings they they stepped down they didn't want it I was like oh my gosh Lord I know what you said to do because I even said Lord I don't know how to be a president and he he said to me you have been prepared for this and I said okay and then he moved me into that position in September so I just got into that With some, they did not want that. They're sitting at the front of the table going, we do not want this woman in here. And I'm like, Lord, you better give me another Holy Ghost filled person at this table because I I need need that. And he did. He put another Holy Ghost filled person on the board. So thank you, Jesus. It's moving. So, um, thank you. This is in Williams County, although we service, right now I service Williams, Fulton, defiance and Wauseon. And I realized that there's no rehab, long-term rehab, the type of rehab that I believe that God wants these kids delivered here in Lucas County either. So I believe that's the vision uh, of the whole, the whole vision. It's just getting, these, uh, getting the funding. We need funding. The Lord told me, when I initiate a thing, I pay for a thing. Do not worry about any of it. So my, one of my biggest problems is trying to get Mary and Victor to understand that. So they need prayer. Um, and, and it's hard when I know the Lord's telling me to do something and they are the CEOs. So that's a little bit where we're having a little bit of a problem right there. But I know that God will work that out. Um, and then let's see. Um, the prayer for the ministry. The prayer for the judges. God's given me favor with uh, the, the Williams County judges. Um, he definitely told me when we got all this paperwork together and everything he said to send some of this stuff out and I was sitting at the library he definitely said take that to the judge so then um, I got to, I was like okay Lord what, what, what do you want me to do so a couple of days later I had to take I had to go to court with a kid and I asked permission to talk to him and he gave me permission he came back he said come on back to my chambers I gave him the paperwork I gave him the property I had all the pictures of everything I gave that to him and and you know he said to me the people out here do not realize in this community that there's a drug problem. Even the people in my inner circle. But we have to bring awareness. This week, Tuesday night, Tuesday, Wednesday night, no, it was Thursday night, we had a drug forum out there. The place was packed. It was awesome. So that was really wonderful. So the, this is starting to come around. So, so the prayer w- probably would be to get uh, the other judges aboard on this because so, I know they know where the monies are. You know. Yeah. So that would be a big, a big prayer. And let me see. Was there anything else I wrote down for prayer? Just the paper. I know God knows where the money's coming from. That piece of paper we need back. We need to get this other piece of paper back from the government, which I, I'm, you know, they, they, they redid that. And then God would not have put me in the position of president because I don't know how to do this paperwork unless it's coming back, right? Because I don't know how to do it. But he, he moved that lady out and moved me in, so I know it's all coming. Any questions? <laughs> Thank
0: you. Thank you. I Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you're. Yeah, you're an excellent president because you don't talk too long. So. <laughs> but you can preach anytime, Ms. Miss Donna. So. What, what we'll do is we'll fill in the prayer request. So when we pray every month, we're going to have this poster here. But also we'll pray weekly at our meetings, and we'll keep her organization in prayer. She'll be here on a regular basis, so she can keep us updated on how things are going. But this is part of what we are mandated to do now. Dominion means little if you don't confront the situations that have to be changed. Somebody's got to go and get things started. Somebody's got to go and meet people. Somebody has to go and, and get money together. Somebody has to have meetings and call meetings and make awareness things and all of that. So I think our work is going to be more in preparing people to confront actual situations that need to be done. We'll always address the principalities and powers that control these things, but I think moving more now toward helping those who are called to actually step into the feet of people that do uh, these things and do these wonderful things for God. I believe there will be places that Miss Donna is speaking of now where young people will be delivered, they'll be prayed for, and devils will be cast out of them so they can be free. The gospel will be freely preached because people don't care what you do as long as you can help people and bring them out of their difficulties and their challenges. So I agree 100% with what she sees as a vision for these people because God's already put it in her heart what to do. And I know she's going to be successful at it because she's under authority. And doing the things that God wants her to do, amen? She's not doing anything in a reckless way. She's not doing anything in a hurtful way. But she's doing everything that she does to the glory of God. So that's that's going to be a great thing for us. So we're done with our meeting so far. We're going to put some worship music on and we're going to pray and see what needs to be done in the proper manner, in the right manner. There are so many things that we've had to release to God, you know, and keep re-releasing. When we find that man's handprints are on them, you know what I'm saying? Our own handprints are on them, and we're trying to grab them back and get them fixed up the way we think they're supposed to be. So I just want this to be your personal time of prayer between you and God. Father, if there's anything that we need to release to you again because we're anxious about it. Many of us are are what we call waiting for things. And, and that's good. It's always good to wait on God because His timing is the best timing. But we can't be anxious for anything and, and cause ourselves to move out from under His authority and His protection because when it comes, it won't be right. comes, it'll be on life support. It'll cost you so much to take care of it because you didn't wait for God to mature it the right way. Many of the things people, Christians, are grasping at now are hurtful to themselves and other people and they can't see that, that that's what's coming. But it's good to wait upon the Lord. It's good to trust God. It's good to know that God has good things for you. So I believe that God wants to put us all in a place where we have trust in Him. We respect His authority. We respect the authority of those that He's placed over us. We respect humanity because the God we serve is a respectful God. Jesus respected everybody that he ministered to he respected everybody that he met he didn't have you know unkind things to say about people or try to undermine them or tell them what to do or anything like that but he honored them he honored them and he ministered to them and he brought truth and so we can bring truth we can bring honesty we can bring all those things but we can do it under authority too There are times when we need to wait for God to open the door for us to release certain things. You know, not be so quick to give our opinion about everything. But to be respectful about it and cleanse our hearts and purify our hearts so that we know how to respect people. And that we know that we are doing our way through everything. And so I think it's a good thing if we understand that about what God has for us grow more in the character of Christ so that he can trust us to do more and more things. So, Lord, I thank you for putting it on our hearts to be people under authority because that's where the power is, to trust the authority that you placed in our lives, to trust that you've got us in the company of good people, trustworthy people, people who will pray regardless, people who will stand with you in difficult times. That, that we don't have to carve out our own little group that we have identity with and control with. But we let you form our identity. So we thank you for that, Lord. We bless you for it. And we praise you for it. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Praise God. If anybody wants prayer, come on up and get prayer. <clears throat> and if anybody's struggling with authority, you can come up and, and we'll believe God with you. That there's an anointing to break that yoke. Because he has great things for you to do and accomplish. It won't happen unless and until you learn how to get in line with what he has for you. All the way down the line. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.